Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. If um, if folks whistling and raising their hands and hollering makes you nervous, don't don't be nervous. That's that's just what free people sound like. It, are, are there any free people here? I'm just wondering. Feels good to be free, doesn't it? Hey, I, I spent I spent enough of my life in in shackles and chains to not celebrate freedom. Wouldn't you? If, if, if you'd spent a large part of your life behind bars and you got set free, wouldn't you, wouldn't you make a little noise? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you get a little excited? You know, I, I saw on Facebook, y'all gonna laugh at this. I told them in the prayer room I wasn't gonna say anything goofy and funny today, but, you, but now I am. I saw on Facebook that uh, Journey and Def Leppard just did a concert in Atlanta. And, and, and the reason that's funny is because they're all old now. And I remember standing in line at Turtles Records and Tapes. None of y'all remember Turtles Records and Tapes. For Journey and Def Leppard tickets in 1982. And, and at the end of that concert, I was hoarse for two days. So I'm just going to tell you, if I'm going to make that much noise for a one-armed drummer, I'm going to get excited about being set free. Is that all right? You ought to give the Lord praise today. Amen. Amen. Today we're starting or continuing a message series we call How to Hear God's Voice. I asked you a question last week. I'm going to ask it again this week. What if God is trying to get a message to you? What if God is trying to get a message to you? Here's a quote. I am told God lives in me. And yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. Read it again. And as I read it again, I want you to try in your mind to determine where somebody may be to say these words. What kind of person may say these words? I'm going to read it again. I am told God lives in me. And yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. Darkness, coldness, emptiness. Would you agree with me that this person is probably not in a great place? So what kind of person do you think wrote those words? Was it someone that had made some horrible mistakes in their life? And was now suffering the consequences of those mistakes. Maybe somebody like that. Maybe it was somebody that, that uh, 
had an atheistic worldview. They didn't believe in God, didn't believe in, in the things of God. Maybe it was someone that had walked away from their faith and was now coming to grips with the reality of the darkness of their soul. You think it might be somebody just like that? Well, if you thought that, then you'd be very wrong. The person wrote those words in her journal was Mother Teresa. Isn't it shocking when we get behind the scenes in other people's lives? Have you ever put somebody up on a pedestal and thought, well, they don't struggle. They've got their life together. Their stuff is all in a row and they've got all their stuff together. And then you find out that they really don't. We do that spiritually, don't we? We think that, you know, this person just never struggles with temptation and sin because they're so far beyond all of that. And then we get a peek behind the curtain and see that there's darkness and emptiness. Maybe you're surprised to find out that somebody you put on a pedestal like that deals with doubt and worry and fear and loneliness and depression and anger. The newsflash is we all do. We all struggle. Nobody is exempt from struggle, not even Mother Teresa. Nobody's exempt from those feelings of darkness and emptiness and loneliness and pain. And so if last week we talked about how God speaks to us through his word, this week we're going to talk about how God speaks to us through our pain. Here's what I want you to hear. Now, I asked Tracy to give me lots of white space in your bulletin because I, I, you, you may hear me say something and, and you want to write that down. And that's what that space is for. You may need to write this down. God never wastes a pain. He's just too good. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be exempt from pain. That doesn't mean that you're never going to have struggle. You're never going to be like Mother Teresa in a dark, empty, lonely place. I can't guarantee you that, but I can guarantee you that in those places, God won't waste it. And it may be there that he speaks the loudest. I'm going to say a phrase, and you're going to repeat the second half of it, okay? You ready? No pain. No pain. I'm told, and I don't know if this is true, but this is what I'm told, that that phrase became prominent in 1982 with the best-selling, this is just the testament of our culture, the best-selling VHS tape of all time. Anybody want to guess what it was? Jane Fonda. Who knew that? Who said that? Jane Fonda's original workout video apparently made famous the phrase, no pain, no gain. First time I saw it was in a weight room at South Cobb High School. And we had a couple of coaches that believed that. Can I, I need you to understand that that thought is, is more than just a few years old, though. There was a second century Jewish rabbi that said this. According to the pain is the gain. So folks have been understanding that we grow through times of difficulty for centuries and centuries and centuries. Here's why I think God speaking to us through our pain is so significant. Last week, we talked about the importance of God's Word, the Bible, and how it was the most consistent, the most reliable way for you and I to hear the voice of God. Guess what? You can close your Bible. 
You can ignore your Bible. Next week, we're going to talk about how God can speak to you through people. And how many of you know you can ignore people? You can unfriend somebody. You can, you can turn a deaf ear to something. You can't ignore pain. How many of you ever had a toothache that kept you up all night? How many of you ever had a sciatica thing go on that kept you up all night? You can't ignore it. It's constantly there. It's always there and you're always always aware you can't ignore pain so i'm going to talk to you very briefly today about an old testament character that we have to talk about this guy when we're talking about god speaking to us through pain and his name is job if you've never read the book of job in the old testament i would challenge you to do that but i would you might want to watch like a couple of hours of real funny cartoons before you watch, before you read it because it'll mess with you it's basically two chapters of this conversation some celestial conversation between our enemy and God where our enemy wants to challenge and afflict this man named Job who the Bible says was upright and God allows him to be afflicted in fact God points him out to our enemy. He says, have you considered my servant Job? In other words, he's my dude. He's on the all-star team. He's got it together. Have you considered him? Long story short, Job lost everything he had. Job lost his family. Job lost his riches. Job lost his wealth. Job lost his health. He was in a bad way. And that takes up about two chapters. For the next 38 chapters... Not kidding. The next 38 chapters are conversations between Job, a group of his friends, and God. And this group of friends, how many know that sometimes in your lowest moments, your friends are no help at all? It's not that they don't try to be. It's not that they don't want to be help. It's just they don't know what to say. And, and this is exactly what happened in Job. They... They just said a bunch of stupid stuff. They're just pulling stuff out of the air. And it just doesn't, it doesn't connect with what really happened to Job. They were convinced that he'd committed some horrible sin. And that wasn't the case at all. But in the midst of some of this stupidity they were spouting out, some of the very profound came. And that's what I want you to read with me today. Job chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. One of Job's friends in the midst of his trouble said these words. But if I were you, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. And I need you to understand that regardless of where you're at in your, in your journey, wherever you're at in your walk with God, uh, wherever you're at in your life circumstances, we serve a God whose wonders cannot be fathomed and whose miracles cannot be counted. He's big. My wife talked about it. He's big. He's powerful. And wherever you're at, he understands where you're at. And even in the midst of your pain that we're going to talk about today. Will you pray with me? Father, we recognize that in this world we'll have trouble. Your son told us that. So God, help us over these next few moments to understand that you want to speak to us. Even in our pain. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. I believe that, that, that pain comes from one of three different places. First of all, I believe that 
your pain can originate from your own sin. Just to prove that point, how many of you have ever done something really stupid and it cost you pain? How many of you have ever done something, you stepped off of God's path and you knew you were doing it when you did it and, it and you paid for it later? Sometimes our pain is caused by our own sin. Sometimes we got to own it. Sometimes we got to say, yes, this hurts, but I, I walked through this door on my own. And oh, by the way, that's a very healthy thing to do. You know, if, if we drop the ball and it, and it hurts, the most... The way you can cause that, that difficulty to extend exponentially is by trying to hand that off to somebody else. You know, there comes a point where we just got to own our own mistake, own our own failure, own our own sin, and recognize that what I'm walking through right now is a result of my own failure. I'm not trying to beat you up. It's just reality, isn't it? All right. So I believe, first of all, our pain can originate from our own sin. Unfortunately, the second place that our pain can originate is somebody else's sin. Has anybody's bad choice caused you pain? You are going through your life doing just fine. Everything was going well. Somebody else made a bad choice and it caused you harm. Somebody else made a bad choice and it caused you pain. Somebody was driving under the influence and hit your car, caused you pain. Somebody made a bad choice and, and, and caused your marriage to collapse. See, I, I believe that not only does our sin cause us pain, but sometimes the sin of others causes us pain. Doesn't hurt to recognize that either. So our own sin causes us pain. Other sin causes us pain. And maybe the greatest source of pain maybe the, the the biggest origination of pain is in this that some pain is a result of us living in a broken world how many know our world's messed up can i prove it when when you get home today get on facebook and say i voted for fill in the blank and then just stand back it doesn't matter who's in the blank, right? It doesn't matter. You, you, you're going to get death threats. We live in, in, a, in a broken world. You don't have to, I don't have to convince you of that. Watch, watch the news. Go through Twitter. It doesn't take very long to realize that we're in a broken world. So our own sin, someone else's sin, the fact that we live in a broken world, guess who you don't get to blame for your pain? Guess who you don't get to blame? God. I, I, want you to, I want you to camp out there with me for just a minute. Because I believe with all of my heart that sometimes the reason we get caught in this cycle of emptiness and loneliness and hurt is because we pointed our finger at God and said, it's your fault. I tweeted this out this morning, but you ought to write this down. Don't point at the source of your healing and blame him for your pain. That's good. Don't point at the source of your healing and blame him for your pain. 
If you want today's pain to last forever, keep pointing a blaming finger at God. Can I prove that to you? What did the world look like when he gave it to us? It was a perfect place, wasn't it? Listen, the world is broken, but we broke it. The world's broken, but we broke it. So all I'm, all I'm going to ask you to do before we go any further is just don't use that as a cop-out. Don't blame God. When God handed us the world, there was nothing wrong with it. We broke it. We tore it up. See, the question is not, this is going to sound harsh, and I don't mean it that way, but I don't know how else to say it. The question is, and I hear this question, if, if there's a loving God, why is there still evil in the world? Can, can I tell you how, how I hear that question, how I would ask that question? It's, with so much evil in the world, why does he still let us breathe? I think sometimes we forget who's right and who's wrong in this scenario. Job did that. And I, I love the way the, the last part of the book of Job ends. Job went through a series of, of questions and accusations. And you would too. If you lost everything you had and, and, and your health and and your family and your wealth and your riches and wouldn't there come a point when you'd go alright what's up what are you doing to me well there was a lot of that and there was this point at the end of, of the book of Job where, or toward the end where, where God looks at Job and says alright I, I love the way some of the translations read it, it it's almost like God said alright I've let you have your say but now I need you and it's in there you ought to read it to brace yourself like a man because now my answer's coming. Listen, if God tells you to brace yourself like a man, you have messed up. <laughs> and he begins to ask Job these questions. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Where were you when I created this place and told the seas where to stop? See, I think we forget just how big and powerful and awesome this God is and the source of our healing we... we, we we somehow mistakenly believe is the source of our pain, and, and that's just not how it works. So here's what Job says in, in Job 6, verses 1 to 10. You don't, you don't have it in your bulletin. It'll be on the screen behind me. And I'm just going to tell Rachel, I'm, I may bounce around a little bit, so be on your toes. Then Job replied, if only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on the scales it would surely outweigh the sands of the sea. Can you see where he's at? There has never been anybody that has suffered like I've suffered. And in Job's case, that might be true. But I wonder how many of us have said words like this. Nobody has ever walked down the path that I'm walking down right now. Nobody's ever suffered like I'm suffering. Nobody's ever hurt like I'm hurt. He said in verse 4, the arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks in their poison. God's terrors are marshaled 
against me. Man, don't you know that that's what the enemy wants you to believe? Here's what the enemy wants you to believe. In your time of deepest distress and hurt and pain, the enemy wants to whisper in your ear and say, God's not for you. God's against you. What terrible sin have you committed that would make the God of the universe be this much against you? Maybe you've listened to that voice. I have. Can I tell you? He is only for you. He's never against you. Everything he does, he does for two purposes. For his glory and your good. Well, it don't feel good. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm going to tread down a dangerous path here, but it'll make sense. Ladies, how do labor pains feel? They feel great, don't they? Oh, oh I'm scared Nikki to death. She's looking at me. Shelby's back there. Her knees are knocking. Well, y'all's will be fine. None they, they, this is all. This is, this is everybody else. They feel great, don't they? No. My, the, the strongest my wife has ever been is she's gripping my hand when those labor pains hit. But listen to me. Every woman in this room would do it all over again. Maybe. Verse 5. Does a wild donkey bray when it has its grass or an ox bellow when it has its fodder? Uh, in other words, listen, everybody complains when things go wrong is what Job is saying. Even the animals complain when they don't get fed. It, it, it's natural to complain. That's what Job is saying. On, down in verse 8, here's what he says. Oh, that I might have my request, that God would grant what I hope for. What do you think he's going to ask for? That God would be willing to crush me, to let loose his hand and cut off my life. Have you been there? God, it'd just be easier if I just left this planet. God, it'd be easier if my heart just stopped beating. It'd be easier had I never been born. See, that's what he's saying. But here's what I need you to grasp in his words. In, in, his, in the darkest place of his life, verse 10 says, Then I would still have this consolation, my joy in unrelenting pain, that I had not denied the words of the Holy One. See, can I tell you? In his deepest, darkest, emptiest, loneliest moment, Job still had an understanding of where his help came from. So here's what I'm not going to do today. I'm not going to try to explain your pain. I'm not going to try to explain why you've had to walk through some of the things that you've had to walk through. I'm not going to try to explain the diagnosis. I'm not going to try to explain the depression. I'm not going to try to explain the foreclosure. I'm not going to try to explain the divorce. I, I, it's not, that's way above my pay grade. Could it, could it be, could it be that in those moments, it's when God has your undivided attention? Could it be in those moments, you have, as we said last week, 
an ear to hear. I'm going to be so bold to say it this way. You'll never find God's perfect plan and purpose on a smooth road. You might have to walk through hell. Yesterday we were at Mission Backpack. And I was, I was talking to Angie. Angie Banks. As many of you know, Angie and Clint have started a brand new ministry called New Life. And it's about supporting people who are struggling with addiction. What, what? Hey, you can give a what, what in New Life. That's cool. And she's telling me about some of the exciting things that, that God is doing. And there's a big smile on her face. And there, there's, there's joy and excitement that God is doing something unique. But to get there, they had to walk through hell. Could it be that God's not going to speak to you on a sandy beach in a smooth road? Could it be that you might have to walk down a dark place? I was telling them. Telling somebody the other day, the conversation came up about how I had preached my mom's funeral. And I'd love to stand here before you and say that, that uh, I, I volunteered to do that because it's what I wanted to do. I did not want to do that. What I would have rather happened is I'd rather a, a pastor that knew my mom and knew my family been able to stand on that stage and, and me sit on the front row and grieve. That's what I would have rather happened. But my mom was sick for 30 years and didn't have a pastor. There wasn't a minister. There wasn't anyone there that, that, could, that could stand and talk about my mom and the God she loved. And I was not going to let a stranger talk about my mom. So I stood there for 40 minutes. Somebody asked me, how'd you do that? And I said, I have no idea because I, I felt like I aged. And, I, and when I say that, I'm, I'm being sincere. I feel like that, I, that those 40 minutes took life out of my body. It was the, literally the hardest thing I've ever had to do. In that moment, I don't know that I've ever said this publicly. You ever had to remind yourself to breathe? That was the... I, I, I was so weak. But in that moment, the only way I can explain it to you is I felt like the arms of God, the big, strong, powerful, mighty arms of God stuck under my armpits and just held me up. It was in the moment of my greatest weakness that I experienced the power and strength of a loving God. Don't discount those moments. Don't discount those moments when, when you're walking through what you think is the most dark point of your life that God might just be going to show off His strength yeah. right in front of you. Mikey's favorite author C.S. Lewis says it like this. God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. That's because he's good. 
I'd love to tell you that God's always going to do exactly what you ask Him to. I'd love to tell you that God's always going to heal. That God's always going to intervene. And some of you have been around the block long enough to know that sometimes, for whatever reason, He doesn't. I'd love to be able to tell you in confidence when you come to me with a diagnosis, God's going to heal you. God doesn't always heal, does he? I've preached too many funerals to know that. Sometimes foreclosures happen. Sometimes divorce happens. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to lay this heavy weight on you. I'm just trying to let you know that in the midst of that, in the middle of that, Whatever you're walking through, God can show himself to be mighty and powerful. And listen, good. Just because it's not pleasant doesn't mean it's not productive. You'll write that down. Just because it doesn't feel good doesn't mean he's not working all things out for your good. I tweeted this this morning. God's deepest revelation may come at the point of your greatest pain. Why, Dwayne? Why would he wait until the lowest part of my life? Look look at me in the eyes. You may not hear it any other way. You may not hear it any other way. See, I know you've walked through some stuff. Some of you walked through divorce. Some of your parents have split up. Some of you lost loved ones. Some of you battled addiction and depression. And I get it. And, and I'd love to be able to tell you I could say the right prayer and make it all go away. But here's what I can promise you. I can stand here with confidence and say these words like the psalmist David said. I was young, but now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. Can I tell you that there'll never come a point when you'll walk through those times alone? If you'll turn your ear. So we're going to ask God four questions. We're going to ask God four questions in those times, in those moments. We're going to ask God, first of all, God, what are you trying to teach me? It's not the first time I've challenged you to ask God that question. And let me tell you why I do that, because I've learned. God, if you're trying to teach me something, teach me now so I can get on the other side of this thing. You with me? If if I'm in the middle of this because you're trying to teach me something, let me know so I can go on. You know, as I'm I'm putting this message together, I'm thinking back, you know, I'm forced to think back at the painful moments of my life. And can I tell you, the things that I'm confident about God, many of those things I learned in those dark moments. What are you trying to teach me? And let let me tell you something. When you walk through a dark time like that, you know, you're like Mother Teresa and you're saying, nothing can even touch my soul. And God reveals himself to you in that moment. Can I tell you that 
Nobody on this planet and no devil in hell will be able to tell you that God doesn't exist and that God doesn't love you and God's not for your good. When you walk through those kinds of times and God shows himself powerful, what he's teaching you is either something about you or something about him. God, what are you trying to teach me? The second thing is, God, how are you trying to transform me? And the blank I missed at the very beginning is that God's voice always speaks for transformation. God doesn't just show off his voice. He could. He could be like, you know, you've seen, you know, movies where they try to depict God and it's always this booming. He could show off if he wanted to. But what he's really trying to do is to change something. He's trying to change a season. He's trying to do something new in you. He's trying to work something out that doesn't belong. He's trying to change you. God, how are you trying to transform me? Number three, we're going to ask God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to, how are you trying to transform me? And how are you trying, this is going to trip you up. How are you trying to heal me in the middle of this? The best Story I could tell you about about this question is really a story that I've told you many times, and I and I tried not to tell this story, but I'm going to anyway because it, it it's what's real to Dwayne. Does that make sense? It's what's real. Don and I decided we were going to try to have children, and long story short, we we lost two to miscarriage. And I remember sitting, I had this big tan chair in our house at the time, and I remember sitting there in a stupor after the second miscarriage. I, I, didn't, know, I didn't know pain like that existed. To love something that much that you'd never seen, to love something that much, and then all of a sudden, in, in, a, in the voice of a cold physician, you're not pregnant anymore. Maybe the hardest part of that process, though, was not my own pain. It was watching my wife, who so desperately wanted to, to, a, a child and to watch this pain cover her and this sorrow consume her and knowing there was nothing I could do about it. No word I said, no hug, no kiss, no consolation at all. I couldn't make it better. How many know when somebody you love is hurting and you can do nothing about it, that's a, that's, a bad, that's a bad place? But I watched her. And you have to understand, this is, might be 25 this month, so this is 27 years ago. But I remember watching her. See, oftentimes, in, in those times of crisis, we'll go one of two directions. We'll either run toward God or we'll run away from it. My wife ran toward God. Hard. She started taking her lunch hours, fasting and praying. And, and, and the beautiful part of that story is Mikey showed up, Matt showed up, you know, we tell, we kid, you know, it took us seven years to get Mikey in the world, we pass each other in the hall and Matt shows up. It's not how that works, but 
for the purposes of our discussion here, that's, that's where we'll leave it. For those of you that have been blessed by her teaching or blessed by her worship, that's where that started. Was in that moment of healing where she ran to God in the darkest part of her life. Where nobody else could help her, nobody else could heal her. She ran to the arms of God. Can I tell you that God is doing what he is doing through her today because of what she went through then. Listen. And this, this, this may be hard to hear. On the other side of those miscarriages, we would never choose that. On this side of it, we'd never change it. Because I see what, 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 what God's done with my family. And, and as, as much hurt... I couldn't change it. I, I preached my mother's funeral. Would, would I bring her back to this, to, to an oxygen tank after what she's been experiencing for the last four years? Of course not. So maybe you wouldn't choose the path, but maybe you wouldn't change it either. See, I, I bet if I started asking some of you that have walked through those hellish roads, I would never choose it, but standing on this side of it, I wouldn't change it. God, what are you trying to teach me? How are you trying to transform me? How are you trying to heal me? And God, how are you trying to grow me? See, we, that word grow looks cool on our little byline, connect, grow, serve. But how many know sometimes to get something to grow, you've got to prune it? And that's uncomfortable, isn't it? How many know to get something to grow, sometimes you've got to cut it back a little bit? And that never feels good. Let me, let me give you the end of the story. Job 42, verse 12 says, So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than in the beginning. And Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and his grandchildren. On that side, Job wouldn't, wouldn't choose to walk through what he walked through. But I bet if you asked him four generations later, if he'd change it, no. 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 Don's going to come. And play. And I, and I think how I want to close this service is uh, just talking to a unique group of people. Maybe you're here and, and, and you're in the middle of a season like that. You're in the middle of a dark place, lonely place. Maybe it's not dark and lonely, it's just difficult. And, and the pain is real. I get it. I, I do. I, and because I love you, I, I wish I could, I could say the magic prayer and make it all go away.
I do want to re reiterate this one thing. God never wastes the pain. Wherever you're at today, I believe that one of the purposes for this pain is that God wants you to have an ear to hear it. I want you to bow your heads with me. Hey, I, I, don't, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I, I, and you know me by now. I, that's not what I do. I, but I, I just want to know who to pray for today. So if you're here, and there's already hands in the air. <laughs> if you're here and you're in the middle of a place like this, man, just, just don't know who to pray for. Just put your hand in the air. It's all right. <laughs> I just want to pray for you. And listen, don't, don't let me... Don't misunderstand me. Hey, if you're sick, I'm going to pray God heals you. And I'm going to believe that He can. I guess I'm reminded today. Remember the story of the three Hebrew children? And they stood in front of that, that king and he said, I'm going to throw you in the fire. And this, just forgive me, but this is Dwayne's paraphrase. He said, look, king, we don't sweat you. Our God is able to deliver us from your furnace. But even if he doesn't, he's still God. And he's still good. And he's still in control. So I want to pray for you today. And then I'm going to give you a, a, a passive scripture that I want you to hang on to. Pray with me. Father in Jesus' name. You are God. And you are good. we stand in your world that you created and we broke and sometimes God we experience pain from our own sin we experience pain because of other sin and we experience pain because this world is broken but God we thank you first of all today that you're putting it back together and there'll come a day when every knee will bow every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord and you will wipe every tear from our eyes and there'll be no more sorrow and there'll be no more suffering and there'll be no more pain your word says all of those things have passed away forever and ever and we look forward to that day but today we need your help as we navigate through difficult times and dark times and oppressive times and depressive times. We need your help. So God, for those that acknowledge that I'm, I'm in the middle of a place like that right now, God, of course, we're going to ask that you heal sickness and you, you provide finances and, and you restore relationships and you do all those things that we are quite aware that you can do and we ask you to do those things but maybe even above those things would you speak to us would you teach us would you help us to learn more about who we are and more about who you are in the middle and then grow us challenge us change us. And God, I pray that we walk through these 
struggles through these hellish roads with the confidence that you are God and you are good. God, I pray you do a work in every life today. Hey, if there's one here, I want you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, but I, I want you to listen to me for just a minute. If you're here and you've not made a commitment to follow Christ, I would challenge you to do just that today, right now. The Bible says that God is faithful. Faithful to forgive us of our sins when we confess them. The Bible says that greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And may I tell you that that's exactly what Christ has done for you and I. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever might believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. And the Bible says, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundant. You'll never know life like you'll know it following Christ. So I challenge you that even in this closing prayer, God, I'm going to follow your son Jesus for the rest of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Make me more like you. In Jesus' name. I'm going to give you this passage of scripture. This is Psalms 30. It's five verses. Psalm 30. I'm, I'm just confident that it, maybe you need to jot this verse down somewhere. Put it on a mirror. Put it on a put it on the dash of your car. Put it on your screensaver on your phone or your computer. Psalmist said these words. Psalm 30 verse 1. I will exalt you Lord for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, oh, Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name. Now, listen to this. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Is that good news? You ought to give the Lord praise. That's, that sounds like what you would do when somebody sinks a putt on a golf course. I, I'm just wondering, is there anybody here who Christ has saved your life? Make crazy noise for the Lord. Amen.